there was a friend of this uh, congregation that uh, received tickets for the Winter Wonderland walkthrough, and they, uh, they couldn't stop talking about how good it was. And so our gift of the having a few of these tickets and being able to hand those out was a real blessing to their family, uh, saying that it was so much better than driving through. And then they said, uh, this is the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, I, I was thinking about all those phrases that say as much, have a holly jolly Christmas, and tis the season to be jolly, and love and joy come to you, and to you and your wassail too. Everybody know what a wassail is? Well, that's sort of a spiced apple cider, all right? Just doctored up a little bit. But uh, for others that would might say, happy holiday, happy holiday, or while the merry bells keep ringing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And we can see the red and the green that sort of call out this Christmas season. We got this Christmas decorations going right here this morning, right on the front row. You know, and that is so true for so many, and yet I want to say this morning, early in this series, and we'll leave the next couple of weeks to be maybe be in a little bit different key from this morning's message, but I want you to recognize that it is extremely difficult for others. And while most of us thrive on the happiness of this season... In fact, we began our service with the song, Joy to the World, and for good reason. Unapologetically, Jesus is the reason for us to be joyful and the reason for this season. And still, there's another side. There's another side, and for lots of reasons, despite the holly jolly of Christmas, some of us feel blue. Now, I see Ron Milligan back there. Ron, we could get you to come up and sing for us, all right? Because uh, only Elvis. Uh, it's an Elvis picture, an Elvis Christmas. But the term, the blue Christmas, was popularized by Elvis, I suppose, with his song, Blue Christmas. Listen to the words. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't mean a thing if you're not here with me. But I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas. Now, I got a question for you. Was it because Elvis sang this song, that it gained immense popularity, or was it because it spoke to the mostly unmentionable hurt and loss that so many feel at this time of year? Yeah, maybe both. Velva sang it, it was going to gain some popularity, but it spoke a message. Now, my intention this morning with this particular message is not to be this guy, okay, 
rather simply for one service during this Advent Christmas season to recognize that Christmas is difficult and less than happy for uh, many people, particularly if we frame it in terms of loss. Or the way the Bible would put it, lament or sorrow. How many have particularly felt the loss of a relationship? How many know someone who is feeling right now in this very setting the loss of someone or something important to them that makes it really difficult, particularly during this time of year? And here's the thing. As Americans, we seem to have little time or patience for something like lament. Yet that's far different from the biblical story, because if we'll be true to our Bibles, we see people being able to acknowledge their sorrows and to bring them before God in many, many pages. And while Christmas and this Advent season is all about hope and love and joy and peace, and I have no intention this morning of taking that away, yet an even-handed look at the story of Christmas identifies a counter-prevailing thread that was read in our Scripture this morning. There's another story about Jesus' birth in that second chapter of Matthew, and there is this horrific passage that describes what king, when King Herod realized that the Magi had escaped Judea without revealing the location of Jesus' birth to him. And verse 16 says, when Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. You see, our Bible unmistakably records that into the most wonderful time of the year, there is the massive slaughter of innocent children. And Matthew chapter 2 and verse 18, just two verses later, and this was also read, says this, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. You see, this Old Testament picture of Rachel, who represents the mothers of Israel, 
particularly this passage first in our Old Testament Scripture is during the time of the exile. Now it's being reapplied to the mothers who experience slaughter of their innocent children. Now, isn't it a bit short-sighted to focus on the birth of baby Jesus, the hope for the world, without recognizing the mothers and the fathers and the sisters and the brothers and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and the neighbors who could not be consoled in the loss of their beautiful two-year-old or under child? How do we make sense of the biblical story? In our lives and in our lives of our families and friends who are or are particularly suffering loss during this time, who know grief during this season, but maybe are rarely permitted to admit it. I simply want to start this morning first with this, that is, we begin with honesty. That is, with honest acknowledgement that Christmas isn't all twinkle and glitter. Michael Coffey writes, When I was growing up, my mother made a beautiful thing out of Christmas. Plates of candies and cookies covered the dining room table. Candlelight filled the house as we welcomed family and friends on Christmas Eve to visit and share a glass of something good. Nogged or not, nogged or not. But when I would see, then I would see something else in my mother. A deep river of winter tears. A sadness. At this time of year, a blue feeling that came over her at Christmas. She could never quite put it into words. It was part sentimental, part grieving for family and friends who had died, part longing for the days when life wasn't so hard, part a sense that the beauty and the gift of this life is fleeting, and even as we enjoy it, we feel it slipping away. And apparently I inherited this joyful melancholy of my mother because few Christmases go by when I don't shed some tears for all those reasons and more. This morning I'm inviting you to bring your full selves to this holiday season, and that means the melancholy of your past and the raw truth of your present experiences. Would that be okay? Honesty? Not to mimic Ebenezer Scrooge, but to simply be honest with the season in our lives. And let me put it this way. Of course, we come to this season with the joy and the hope and the peace, but we also come to it and we bring to it pain and sorrow and tragedy. And nobody dreams of a blue Christmas, but loss and grief don't take a vacation 
over the holidays. It seems to me just the opposite. They work overtime. And so we remember those that we have loved and lost, and I want to just invite you just for a moment right now to remember those who have died, who have gone before. Maybe just pick one or two that come to mind for you. I'm going to dare risk doing something here and say, could you name them aloud? Just go ahead and do that for just a moment. Maybe it's a spouse, Elliot, and the loss of Rosemary. Maybe it's a mother or a father, Marion, and the loss of her father, John. Maybe it's a son or a daughter, the Wests, and the loss of Ashley or Petrina, and family, and the, and the numbing loss of Daniel. For many of us, the loss of a friend. There's still hardly a day go by that goes by that I don't think about Jeff Earnhardt and the loss that I feel in his absence. And you know, the interesting thing about it is this loss doesn't have to be even be recent. In some ways, we move forward in time and we kind of, some memories fade. But it may have been three years ago or five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago. Our memories link the person to us, particularly in this season. And some of these memories and some of this emotion is scarcely phased by time. So we remember their name and their voice and their face and we hold them before God and we give thanks for their lives their lives and their engagement in our life. And if the families who lost a child through Herod's ruthlessness were able to come to faith in the Christ child, I want to suggest that they did not move on from their grief and loss. They moved forward with it. We do not move on from grief and loss. We move forward with it, receiving God's gifts as we go. So our story of the Bible is an invitation to make good by God's help on the pain of our loss. The loss of relationships, but the loss of health in ourselves or in family members. The loss of well-being, the loss of mental health during this time of stress of the pandemic. A financial loss, the loss from loneliness, the losses have mounted up. It's okay to acknowledge that and to bring them to our Christmas. 
Now, at the risk of being uh, just a bit melodramatic, going on a sabbatical starting today, whew, got to get through the sermon and a class for just a couple of months. I have felt a lot of losses over the past couple of years. I mean, this is what I've kind of discovered about how I'm doing, and I'm, I'm, this is not to take away or to minimize anything or to say, make any particular commentary about where you are. It is simply to say that this is a self-discovery. The loss of members of this congregation, I think it's a couple of dozen families. I just, I can't tell you that it doesn't matter. It hurts. The loss of a sense of togetherness as a church. The loss of personal engagement one-to-one with people. The loss of celebration as a congregation. It's been so difficult. The loss, for me, of role identity. The loss of interaction and feedback as we've kind of been scattered and the just sense of energy has just sort of dissipated at times. The loss of trust in one another and particularly in our political divisive culture that just so quickly undermines our ability to have conversations and to trust one another again. The loss of mentors, I keep asking, to whom do I go? The loss of mission and calling and direction for the future. So, in part, there's, this is giving legitimacy to my sabbatical, I suppose, and I invite your prayer for renewal and re, being able to be reevaluate things and, and, and re-energized. And I promise that I'll be praying for you as well. And yet while resisting the trivialization of my losses, which aren't so dramatic in the scheme of great losses, or yours, which might feel like little things compared to somebody else, this morning we are met with the tragedy of the Amazon warehouse workers in Edwardsville and the loss to those families and to that neighborhood and to those in the town of Mayfield, Kentucky, families that are a town of 10,000 people that know each other and to have that much of a loss. We pray for them. We think about their loss in this Christmas season. Losses that are hard to comprehend and speak to the essence of my message this morning. So, as you gather up your loss and pain, as you might feel some of the similar desolation or the emptiness of lament, I just want to invite you to remember and to name aloud 
or into the silence, if that works better for you, what losses you feel. And to offer them to God. And I believe that he'll take them and he will give you good gifts in return. He's such a good God. So the invitation is to open your hands. God, we're asking that you might take our sorrows, our losses, our emptiness, our pain, and we open ourselves to you. And I don't mean to suggest in any way that all goes away. Not that we move on, but rather we move forward with you. Help us to carry them. Think of it this way. Christmas was placed on December 25th. Well, so you see, it coincides with the solstice celebration when the darkness is at its apex. When light is most needed. It's during those dark moments when the light shines most brilliantly. And so the birth of Jesus reminds us that we can bring all of our being, losses and all, to God. And He will give us His gifts and will bring us to Himself. You see, blue Christmas and all, it's a wonderful time of the year.